Well, I'm certainly very excited about this occasion uh, to begin a study of the uh, book of Proverbs, uh, topically speaking. This is a treasure chest full of gold, uh, all for our souls. And um, it has been my practice, and I want to tell you this, I'm not bragging. I'm telling you uh, about my weakness. I'm telling you about um, how much I need the grace of God and how near I have to stay to God's word or um, I will not do well. I have read through the book of Proverbs 12 times every year for perhaps 30 years. I've done it every year of my life. It was an idea that I got from my fellow Pastor Ted. Read the chapter of Proverbs, whatever the date is. It'll take you all of ten minutes if you just read it. And if you do that, you will be so blessed. And Proverbs will come to your mind. And uh, you will be rebuked. You will be corrected. You will be <laughs> encouraged. You will be blessed. Every single day of your life. If I had my old Bible, I still have it. I don't have it with me. I could show you the channel uh, that there is in the center of the Bible from rubbing the ribbon of having done that. And you can do that and you will be blessed. The book of Proverbs is, is generally counted among the books of wisdom and uh, those books are designated as Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. This is the one that I have to say uh, uh, would have the most gold in it. Um, all of them are have gold and silver, but it would be a close race between the book of Psalms and the book of Proverbs. Here is wisdom given concisely and simply in a, in a clear and understandable way. And, I, and I'm going to say often in a striking way. In an unexpected strong way, it may come to you. They can be like firmly driven nails in the conscience of the heart, as Solomon says, the words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. The book of Proverbs is given to us by Jesus Christ. And some of the Proverbs, all of the Proverbs are like firmly driven nails. But some of them are, 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 are goads. You get poked, and it hurts a little bit. But the one who's holding the goad is your shepherd. He is Jesus Christ. And so as to their superior precious worth, uh, Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Uh, now, just think about that. Think about a gold apple 
being mounted in a setting of silver. That is what words fitly spoken are, and that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Well, let me say this. Have any of you ever had somebody who was, who was on your side who, who, who would say to you, I'm out for your good. I want to do good for you. You can always count on me. I'm on your side. Have, have you ever had anybody like that? You have. Because at least your parents were on your side. To some degree or another, at one time or another, they would say to you, I'm out for your good. This is good for you. And, and inside, you'd be contradicting it. You'd be disagreeing. You were not in step with what they knew was good for you. Well, that is what we have here. That's what I want to bring to you. God is on your side. Solomon is on your side. This poor pastor, the weakest of all of them, is yet on your side. I am out for your good. Solomon is out for your good. Christ is out for your good. God is backing you. He is on your side. And so you know, um, not everybody can see the bottom of this, but you, but you saw it um, on, on, on uh, the Internet. My topic assigned to me is uh, uh, concerning wising up, concerning money. And that's what we want to do. Let's pray to you, uh, just for a moment. Heavenly Father, please impart to us through the Holy Spirit fresh faith powerful faith, life-changing faith that will believe your word and what you say. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, very early in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 3 and verses 9 and 10, we read these words, honor the Lord from your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. If you wonder what that little one up there is, there's there's going to be nine of them. So, you know exactly where we are. We're at the very beginning right now. This this proverb flies in the face of the worldly man. Who seeks only to honor himself. Most people think that what money is for is for me. And for my honor. So I can show you what I have. Where I live. The car I drive. The shoes I wear. The places I go. All the stuff that I've accumulated for you to admire. And, and say he's a prosperous man. He's doing well. This verse turns it completely around. And tells us what our wealth is for. for. For the Christian, it is all about honoring God. Honor the Lord from your wealth. You can honor the Lord with your lips. You can honor the Lord with what you do. 
And, 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 and what you stop doing, you can honor him like that. But this verse says, honor him from your wealth. Honor him with the first fruits of all your produce. The Christian man worships God with his money. That's what he wants his money to do. A proof of his love for God. And he seeks to honor the one who is the giver of all that he has. And yet, we've got to be told... This verse has to tell us this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and from the first fruits of all your produce. Because we are not totally free from our worldliness, our selfishness, our confidence in ourselves and what we can earn and what, and what we can pile up. We're not, we're not totally free from that. So God's got to tell us. Honor me. Honor me. And look at the promise. Believe the promise. Don't doubt it. Don't make God a liar. Don't say that. Don't feel that way. If you will honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats with bursting wine. That is the word of God. That's what he promises. And notice what he says. God says to Solomon with the first fruits, honor him first. In the Old Testament, the first fruits were brought to the temple. And that's what we need to do. Bring your first contribution. Bring your tithe. Bring what you've purposed in your heart. Bring it to the church first. Do that first. And then go over the top and, and do something for Mentor Kids Kentucky. Do something for the CareNet Center. Do, do something for MASH. Do something for Fifth Street. Do something, but do it here first. Bring the first fruits here. Don't distribute your tithe all over the place. Bring it to the, the place that God has designated. And then go over that and do more elsewhere. But be encouraged, be encouraged. Your barns will be filled with plenty. Whatever that means, it means something good. Your vats will be bursting with wine. Of Proverbs 3.27. Do not withhold good for, from those to whom it is due. When it is in your power to do it. And, and, and you observe uh, very quickly that this is a corrective te text. We have a problem. We sometimes withhold good. We sometimes excuse ourselves. We sometimes hope that somebody else will do it. We sometimes minimize our ability to do it. Sometimes we just disqualify our, our, ourselves as a default setting. 
We're not leaning that way. We're always leaning away from it sometimes. But this text teaches us that there is good due to somebody else. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. Charles Bridges, the uh, classic commentator on the book of Proverbs, says this. He says, even if I have no unpaid legal debt to any, we have a gospel debt to all. Even the poor is bound by gospel debt to his poorer neighbor. Everyone has a claim on our love. Every opportunity of doing good is our call to do so. Our neighbors are the real owners of our good. The Lord has transferred his right to them. With special reverence to his own brethren. Do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. That's what Charles Bridges says. We have gospel debt. We are indebted to all to do good when it's in your power to do it. I want to tell you, dear sheep, you have power. You have lots of power. You are powerful. You, you show it by all the things that you can do and acquire and invest in and own. You've got the power. God is asking us to exert that power to those to whom, for whom we have been withholding good. We can do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I was thinking of when we were in Dubai. It's, 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 it's the richest city that I've ever been in my life. It's indescribable. We'll show you some pictures tonight. But I thought, wow, God would convert the Arab world. All of their wealth from oil. What resources. What resources there would be for the gospel. But God doesn't have to do that. He's got the resources already within the Christian community. We can do it. May God help us to do it. Uh, Proverbs 11.24, number 3. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Here is a firmly driven nail. Here is a divine, divinely established principle. There are dozens of people within Heritage Baptist Church right now that they're sitting here who can testify to the veracity, the truthfulness of this verse. Nobody here is going to deny it. It's the word of God. But there are some here who will tell you God has enabled me to give freely. And all I find is that I get richer on, on account of it. I always have something to give. And there are some here that would also testify. That might say things are pretty tight for us. Things are close for us. I'm feeling a pinch. 
you ask them, are you giving freely? Are you giving in what is in your power to give? That might be your problem. You think you can do it all. You're not going to trust God. You're not going to believe what he says. One gives freely and yet grows all the richer. And another withholds what he should give, an obligation to give, what he ought to give. Here's a good testimony that I've tried to put together. This is how I feel about it. Um, it's, it's, it's a compilation of, of, of what I've heard others say as well. Either God will increase me with earthly prosperity, according to this verse, if or because I freely give, or he will prevent losses and the need for replacing expensive appliances. And he may give me health. I'm telling you, this is my testimony, okay? But I want to make it um, uh, propositional for you. I, he may give me health which I cannot buy, or he will give me the most satisfying enjoyment and contentment with a lesser portion. The last two things you cannot buy. You cannot buy health and you cannot buy contentment. He may bless you according to this verse, make you so rich with health and contentment that you lack for nothing. The very next verse in Proverbs 11.25 says this, Whoever brings a blessing will be enriched. And, and one who waters were, will himself be watered. Literally, it is the soul of blessing to others has this promise. Enrichment. He will be spiritually healthy. He will have strength. He will have all the vigor that he or she needs for godliness. This is the chief pleasure and joy of a Christian. This is the enrichment that we really want. Whoever brings the blessing, bring the blessing. Be one who blesses others. Pray to God, oh, make me a blessing to these people. Make me a blessing to the person I'm going to meet with. Make me a blessing at the party. Make me a blessing to where I'm going. That's what I want to be. Please make me a blessing. He will enrich you. You will have the godliness. You will have the virtue. You will have the strength. You will have the vigor of Christian life if you are one who brings a blessing. It also says that one who waters will himself be watered. Do you believe that? You've got to believe that. That the water that is refreshing and quenches thirst like nothing else if you water, you will be watered. The water that revives the wilting plant, the plant that's trying to avoid the sun and, and reduce exposure. You water the plant and it revives. 
God promises that if you water, you will be revived. You will be blessed. The water that washes away the dirt and the dust. The water that Jesus used to wash the feet of the disciples. He didn't get his feet washed. There's no evidence of that at all in that text. But God says, the one who waters will himself be watered. Be encouraged. He's on your side. He, he wants you to do these things. Believe it. Say, say yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to water. I'm going to do what's, what's in my power. Say yes. Yes, I'm going to do that. Proverbs 14, 21 says, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner. And this is the context. But blessed is he who is generous to the poor. From this text, we see that selfishness and neglect of one's neighbor is positively sin. You feel the goad, man. That's a, that's a driven nail. That's a striking text. Whoever despises his neighbor. How do we despise our neighbor? By not caring. By not giving. By withholding what you could do. We don't do it consciously or intentionally. We do it passively. We do it by omission. But that's what makes it so criminal. Because we're not, even, we're not thinking about it. We're not planning on it. We're not trying to be generous to the poor. Very few of us can make that claim. I've been generous to the poor. I'm a generous guy to the poor. My checkbook will show it. How many people can say that? I just want to give you... A little plug for MASH. The Missions Action Society of Heritage. It's really all we've got. But every dollar, every dime, every nickel, every check that goes to MASH goes to the poor. It goes for something for the poor. It goes to a poor pastor who can't buy books. It goes for a video projector that they cannot afford that will bless the poor. It goes for all these things. That's what it's for. For the poor of Cuba. For the poor of Haiti. For the poor of the Dominican Republic. See, I didn't have to say República Dominicana. For Colombia. For Fifth Street. There are poor people Everywhere. Are you investing in it? Are you participating in it? The highest figure that I could find the, of identifiable donors, units in our church, was 38. 38 units, families, individuals, 38 out of 128. That's what we have. I just lay that before you. You can be generous to the poor if you want to. You can be. Ten verses later, in Proverbs 14.31, whoever 
oppresses a poor man. Be shocked by this verse. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. He who is generous to the needy honors him. Again, we do this unintentionally, but that's the problem. We passively allow the poor man to be oppressed in his economic circumstances. All the while, the Proverbs tell us the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. That's Proverbs 22.2. But we who are rich in the United States of America... We may misrepresent the one who has made us both. And we may make the poor man think that God is stingy. He made us and he made them. But because we don't give, we misrepresent the God who made us. We're made in his image and we're not reflecting it. The generous God who gives freely and liberally to everyone. We're not like him. We got other priorities, other interests. Whoever oppresses a poor man, whoever lets him go, whoever ignores him, whoever shuts his ears to them, whoever has no plans for a poor man, insults his maker. I didn't say that. That's Proverbs fourteen thirty one. I am guilty of insulting my maker. I was guilty of it one time in India. When a poor woman with a baby with no bottoms on came up to us going like this. She did it for a long time. I was in a group of guys. I don't know why I didn't reach for my wallet. I should have. I don't care what she thought. I don't care if she's a Hindu or a Muslim. I misrepresented my God to her, whether she knows my God or not. I'm never going to do that again. And I didn't do it ever again the whole time we were there. I don't care what anybody else says. The rain and the sun shine and fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. And you are not like God if you do not indiscriminate. Criminally give to others and not have qualifications or requirements or circumstances or promises from them. God does none of that. He gives. He gives and He gives. I failed. God is insulted by our, con- our conduct and lack of generosity, and He is honored by the opposite. He who is generous to the needy honors him. We can do that. Say yes. Say I'm going to do that. This is my favorite verse. My favorite verse that gives me so much motivation. Incredible verse. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And the Lord will repay him for his deed. Can you believe that? 
Can you believe that? If God tells me, over here, if, if, if God tells me, whoever is generous and lends to the Lord, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, what kind of a loan are you going to give the Lord? What are you going to do? Take it! Take it! Run all, run all the charge cards to their max! Max out on them all! I'm using hyperbole, okay? But I mean, what? What? He's not going to charge anything. He doesn't have to. And he, and he doesn't even need my money. But he says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. If that's all we had, if that's all you knew, if that's the only text you had for being generous and caring about others, that's all you, just the first half of it is all you'd need. The generous person is, who gives to the poor is lending to the Lord. But look what he piles up. Just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And he will repay him for his deed. You talk about an investment. You talk about a secure 100% return. Guaranteed by God. God Almighty, there you have it. There you have it. Have you been doing it? Do you want to do it? I say let's do it. Let's loan it. Let's lend to the Lord. Let's look for the repayment however he wants to repay us. Whatever he wants to do. Bishop Paul says this. He's a real famous guy. If you haven't heard of him, he's, he's wonderful. It's, it, he says something like this. Where is the best place for me to lay up my in, investments? Where's the best place than in the treasury of Christ? Now, listen. Listen, he says, the poor man's hand is the treasury of Christ. The poor man's hand is the treasury of Christ. All my abundance shall be there hoarded up where I know it will be safely kept. Surely return and surely return to me. Hallelujah. Proverbs 21.13 Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out. Not be answered. Ooh, another firmly driven nail, another goad in the side. Charles, uh, Charles Bridges says something like this. Count it a privilege, no less an obligation to minister to the poor. Ponder it to the divine master's spirit and work. Consider stinginess and miserliness in giving. The useless expenses Diminish or curtail our power of helping. Luxuries. Luxuries. While our brethren are starving around us. Restraining the full extent of what we ought and might give. All this is virtually stopping up our ears. 
All of this is closing our ears to the cry of the poor. And I have to say, based on this text, I'll be faithful to love you, back you, want what's best for you. If not most, at least some of unanswered prayer is due to the closing of our ears to the cries of the poor. That's a fact. If you don't agree with me, talk to me afterwards, but get something else out of this than what I just said. God is merciful. God is forgiving. God is gracious. But sometimes, at least sometimes, he doesn't hear us. He's not going to answer us. He's not going to give us the answer we want because we have closed our ears to the poor. Last one. Whoever gives to the poor, whoever gives to the poor will not want. Hallelujah. What a promise. What a promise. But he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. The world says, gather everything up, guys. Get all you can. Pile it up. Invest it well. Get as much as possible by whatever means, and then you won't lack for anything. Take care of yourself. Take care of number one, and you'll be fine. Nobody else is going to take care of you. Take care of yourself. Work hard. Work late. Move up. Climb. Get bigger houses. Get nicer cars. Save your money in the bank. Get a 401k. Get into money markets. Do, do it. Do it, man. Do it all for you. This verse tells us that the, the secure place is in God. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. That's God saying that. What the world wants to do is contradicts God. God says, whoever gives to the poor will not want. I promise you. The, the world make, want, wants to make a lie out of them, a liar out of God. Second uh, Timothy two uh, six seventeen says uh, that we're not that the rich man that's all of us that we're not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of of riches. The world says that's the most certain thing. God says exactly the opposite. Don't count on on the uncertain. Don't count on your retirement. Don't count on your investments. Don't count on your business. Don't count on your job. Don't count on anything else. Here's what he says to count on. He says, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Set your hope in God. Do what you can. But don't count on what you can do. Count on what he can do. Set your hope in him. This verse is not teaching that you will lose your salvation. You never will. But you may, you may miss out on many a blessing. The missing out in this text is that you may wind up wanting. You may end up lacking. And that's a kind of a curse. You, you may end up not having... Those needs met. Well, let's do some real quick math then. Based on all that we have said, add these things up. For the generous person, he will be filled with plenty. 
He has power to do good. He grows all the richer. He will be watered and in, enriched. He is blessed of God. He honors God. He worships God. He makes loans to the Lord. He will be repaid completely. His prayers are heard and answered. He does not lack or want for anything. Do you believe that? Do you believe these nine Proverbs? Do you believe that? We, we, we've got to be doing it then. We've got to rejoice in it. But the miser, let's add him up. The miser, the selfish, the person who will not believe these things. He does not honor God. The abundance he, he, he may have will be forever lost. He is incapable of doing any real, lasting, God-glorifying good. He suffers want. He is not watered by God. He is not enriched. He remains a sinner and insults God. He will make no loans to the Lord. He will receive no repayment from him. His prayers will not be heard or answered. And he will have many a curse. That's what the nine Proverbs teach. I've, I've observed something. I've observed that we have really got a super duper giving God. And if I just think of myself, and I, if, 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 if I just think of the consumable items that he has given me, just me, just one person, how many cows and chickens and pigs and fish has he given to me? How many stalls, how many herds, how many flocks just for me? How many lakes full of fish have, have, have I consumed? How many gallons of milk? How many truckloads? How, how much juice? How many grapes? How many orange bushels? Bushels of whole Whole acreage. Of raspberries and blueberries and blackberries and strawberries. I've eaten acres of them. They all came from God. How many pallets? How many skids of napkins? Of toilet paper? Did I just say toilet paper? <laughs> How many rolls of Charmin? How many miles of dental floss? How many, how many boxcars or loads of toothpaste have just I consumed? How many pounds of coffee beans, green beans, peas, carrots, romaine, and leaf lettuce? How many fields of corn, cotton, wheat, soybeans have I needed? How many barrels of oil? To make gasoline and lubricants. How many BTUs of natural gas? How much coal has been burned for the electricity for Keith Maddy? How much? Tons of it for me. And this is not all that God has done. The giving God. He wants us to be like He is. It's not all He's done. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe upon him should be saved and not perish. They'll, you'll not perish, but you need what you need. 
You need a righteousness. That's what this is. It's a righteousness that's alien to you. It's apart from you. It is somewhere else. It's a perfect righteousness. It's the righteousness that was crowned with obedience even to the death on a cross. Even the substitutionary death on the cross. This is what you need. And you can admire it. And you can believe all that I'm telling you about it. You can acknowledge it. You can tell others about it. You can see it in other people. You can be convinced that there is a righteousness outside of yourself. But until you put it on, it's not yours. You've got to take it. You've got to put it on. You've got to trust in Jesus. And see, every time I preach the gospel, every time I get a chance to tell you about Jesus, I'm so happy to tell you that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who has called upon his name has been saved, and they will always be saved. But at the same time, why am I like this? Why do I cry? Because there are some of you here that are hearing this, and you are deciding not to call upon his name. You are sitting passively. You wish I would stop. You wish I wouldn't do this. And, and you are deciding right now not to do it. I don't know why. He will save you. We're the evidence of it. If I could get everybody who, who confirms my word to shout amen right now, I'll run the risk of doing it. On the count of three, if, if, if what I'm saying is true, Jesus Christ saves sinners. Got a perfect righteousness. Got all your sins paid for. On the count of three, please say amen with me. One, two, three. Amen. Now, did you hear that? You've got to join us. You've got to be with us. We're going to heaven. Not because of anything that we've done. Because of radical transformation of a gift of the Holy Spirit that convinces us that everything that we've said is true. Wayne Grudem says this. He says, God's love, you have to think about it. God's love means that he eternally gives himself to others. That's what it's all about. From all eternity, he planned to give himself. And he's been giving himself ever since the world began. He's been putting food into the mouth of every living thing. He, he gave us His Son. That is Himself. That is, that, that is the story of God's love, God's generosity, God's saving power that, that ought to motivate us in, 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 in every way that we can to be generous and to be like our God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want, we want to be transformed by your word. We want to believe all these nine Proverbs 
Whatever is promised, whatever is encouraged, whatever is threatened, we want to believe it. We want to show you as a church that the gospel is the most important thing, not with our lips only, but with our investment. Will you move upon us and will you help us? Less than 50% of our church has even helped with this building program. There are people that are not tithing. You know. You only ask for a penny out of the dime. You ask for 10 cents on the dollar. That's all you're asking. And the rest be generous to the poor. Oh, help us, God. Set us free. Set us free from our personal idolatry and all the things that money can buy. Oh, help us and we'll be helped. May nobody be the same. After hearing a single message, you can make it bloom and sprout and bear fruit. Only you can do it. Please, please. Do it for the glory of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.